Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash mytake, and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take, all one word, in the promo box, and you'll be eligible to win $100, courtesy of My Take Radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 153, for Thursday, August 30th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number, 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687, 347-8150-MTR. As always, if you don't want your messages played on air, please make sure to specify that when you leave your voicemails. All right, we got a lot to discuss. Of course, this is the last MTR of the summer, pretty much. We got Labor Day coming up this weekend, and you have to excuse me. I'm Migraines and sinuses are the name of the game today, so I'm waiting for a chance for my voice to just completely disappear. I'm hoping that is not the case this evening, but as always, if I sound a little fucked up, it is because I'm battling terrible sinuses and migraine most of the day, actually. But being the last show of the summer, I'm very proud of so many of the milestones that we reached. Of course, the big 150 uh, syndication on Future Cast Media, which of course was very, very cool. Uh, Last but not least, just all the great guests and all the different things that we've been doing and just ways that we've been growing the show. Of course, we got New York Comic Con next month, uh, next month um, in October. It's not September yet. And we're going to be there all four days. Thursday for the press and VIP day, that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Myself, Slick, and Andrea, and most likely Josh will be working the show. Of course, all the sights, sounds, and all the usual stuff you'll be seeing from My Take Radio that weekend. As always, our Facebook fan page will be updated constantly with photos and all kinds of cool stuff, and maybe even some videos as well. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to do more stuff, especially on the tout front. that's one of those things where we've kind of been experimenting with the whole tout thing, and I haven't really found a, a great way to utilize it yet, but I think Comic-Con is going to be a fantastic opportunity to play around with it, get to showcase some of the cool stuff we see, we see on the on each day of the show, and of course, we'll be able to show some of the great cosplayers and personalities on the 
uh, convention circuit that entire weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, last but not least, I got to thank everybody that's been commenting, liking, and sharing a lot of the stuff on our Facebook fan page. Um, usually Slick, Andrea, and I, we try to put up content on the fan page as much as possible to get, you know, commentary, likes, all kinds of stuff. And we share stuff throughout the day. As usual, it's not all going to be centered around one thing. You know, sometimes we post MMA stuff. Uh, cosplay stuff, d- typical geeky stuff that we enjoy, uh, MMA, j- things like that. And so many of you have been so positive with your responses and your feedback. I really am enjoying it. And please continue to do so. I believe we're now at 4,030 fans. As always, continue recommending MTR to your friends. We really want to hit the big 5K mark. Also, a quick reminder for those of you that are getting the show on iTunes, please take a moment and rate us. Uh, Every rating, every review helps us get closer to cracking that top 100. So we'd really appreciate if you take a couple of seconds to do that. Also, just a quick reminder, you can listen to My Take Radio on MyTakeRadio.com by clicking the Listen to My Take Radio tab. There is a Blog Talk Radio player on the site, so you'll be able to listen to it that way. Of course, if you call our call-in number, 347-324-3541, you'll be able to listen to the show via your phone as well just don't press one otherwise you'll be entered into the caller queue as always we are on btr live and also we are simulcasting on mixler so if you are using the mixler player or are using the mixler tab on the facebook fan page you should be enjoying the show in 96k stereo now a lot of stuff went down this week monday night i had the opportunity of visiting with the hard-working crew of lunatic radio It was probably one of the coolest experiences I've done in the last couple of months. Uh, Myself, Rock, and Kieran, who are the hosts of the show, we we were there. Um, Also joined by Staten Island Johnny. And it was was crazy, especially because uh, Johnny was in a horror film, which I'm going to share the trailer for you guys. And we got to screen the movie, and we had a lot of laughs. We were talking about mixed martial arts. We were talking about celebrities. Uh, lunatic radio definitely in a niche all its own great group of guys and i had a great time there i'm going to actually be sharing that episode on our site this weekend so you guys can check it out it was completely on camera i was on video the entire time it was a an interesting experience like i said i'm still very very hesitant about doing video of in any in any sort of capacity but these guys they have a great setup and it almost felt like the cameras weren't even there so we really had a great time so thanks to rock and karen for having us on and make sure you to check out lunatic radio every monday at 8 p.m eastern by heading over to lunaticradio.com and like i said it's it's a really great atmosphere they take live calls and those guys know how to fucking party they're having some beers they're having a lot of laughs and not really taking it as serious as you need to take it sometimes and and that's good it it was a, a great change of pace for me so i really had a great time and i'm glad they invited me to hang out with them We got two episodes of My Take Radio Beyond the Mic. One is currently up, which is our interview with the creative team from Roxer, which is the animated superhero cartoon with emphasis on MMA and wrestling. Really great character designs, really great artwork, and those guys were a blast to speak to. So those of you that have the MTR app, which is $1.99 in the Amazon marketplace, as well as iTunes, will be able to check out that episode for the time being. It will be released to the general public probably next week. Also, we recorded an interview with the gamer goddess, May Garcia, who works for Nickelodeon Games. She's actually working on some really cool projects 
including a digital comic for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon that debuted on Nickelodeon. Now, well, that's going to be debuting on Nickelodeon, sorry. Now, the the cool thing talking with uh, May Garcia was the fact that not only did she give us an outsider's perspective in terms of just people that are working the scene, uh, we fall into that category, as do other personalities in the gaming industry, but she also gave us a really great insider's look as to what goes into the game, what what a producer does, how she got her start, and also advice that she gave to people trying to get into the industry and where they should start. It was a great, informative, and insightful interview. We had a really great time with it, and you should be able to peep that on the app. Most likely this weekend, I'm waiting for her to send me some art and some assets that we can add to the interview, and then that will be available for you guys to listen to as well, and it will be released to the general public most likely next week. As always, we got to thank our content partners at MMA Valor and our partners at uh, Good Old Unveil. Of course, their Street Fighter event, their tournament kind of fell apart due to, due to some issues with the venue, but I've been re- reassured that it's already being worked on to have an even bigger event, so as soon as I get news regarding that, I will be sharing that with you guys. Got to shout out all the people checking in on Get Glue. As always, we appreciate all the check-ins. It's really nice to see. Um, if you want some MTR t-shirts, make sure to pick those up via the t-shirt tab, uh, t-shirt store tab on MyTakeRadio.com. As always, a quick rem- a quick reminder, I know a lot of you guys are shopping for back to school. You're getting yourself some games, some gadgets, all kinds of crazy gear. Do yourselves a favor. Make sure to use our Amazon store on MyTakeRadio.com. You'll be able to use all the Amazon services you you all know and love, but you'll be able to help out the show in the process. So we'd really appreciate it, especially if you're picking up games, movies, accessories like that, stuff we talk about on air. All of that will be in the My Take Radio Amazon store, so make sure to click that tab if you're going to do any shopping on Amazon. Like I said, it helps us out, uh, allows us to upgrade our gear, gives you give you guys better stuff, and of course, build the MTR brand into something bigger than it already is. So any little bit that you guys can do on Amazon, we really appreciate. All right, so tonight we're going to talk a little bit of a little bit of raw. We got some impact stuff. We got some MMA news, gaming news, or a little you know the summer's winding down, so it's starting to pick up. And your movie news, as always. I did want to get into this week's monologue because there was a lot of funny things that happened this week that I got to share with you guys, and it seems that a lot of you have been hitting me up, whether via Twitter or just in, in the real world, so to speak, uh, about all the uh, the laughs you get from all of my real-life adventures. And the funny thing is that you guys may think that they're played up or amplified or whatever. Nope. This is 100% real life. Everything I share with you guys, uh, giving you guys a deeper look into me off-air and to what I do, is exactly that. And if you want confirmation, you can always ask Slick or Blade Uh, or even Andrea, they can all attest to all the crazy happenings that go on. And this week, I actually wanted to kind of throw my grandmother under the bus this week because she is a, uh, for as as big of a pain in the ass as she can be for me, she does uh, sometimes provide some great material. So my grandmother, like most senior citizens, likes to, um, she goes to a senior center every Thursday and Friday. So she goes to the senior center and pretty much it's like day camp for old people. They go, they play games and shit, they do karaoke, and usually they take them on field trips to the mall, they wander around, they eat at the food court or whatever garbage they try to feed the old people, and then they bring them home. 
Most times, it's pretty much an all-day affair. She's there from, like, 8 in the morning. They drop her off. It's like a school day. They drop her off at, like, 3, 4 o'clock. A bus comes to pick her up. It's it's hilarious, of course. Um, someday, she'll come home complaining about some of her fellow uh, youthfully challenged individuals that she shares uh, the bus ride with or experiences at the center with. And it's just, it's hilarious. You know, old people got their clicks and their their colorful language. They're complaining. All the stuff we know and love about old people, which is is sometimes to their detriment and sometimes it just provides great uh comedy for myself. Anyway, she she got taken she was taken on a field trip to see Sparkle, which for those of you that don't know that was Whitney Houston's last film. So she tells me that Wednesday, you know, in Spanish, she says to me, "Oh, I'm going to go see Sparkle and we're going to have lunch." I'm like, "All right." Uh I, I'm like, "I don't know if that's a movie you really are going to want to see." So, you know, most old Puerto Ricans, they they have a, a, a weird vibe about them, especially when they're watching movies in English. Most times they expect either action or extreme drama or something crazy, almost a, uh, an extension of all the novelas they watch on Channel 41 or 47. Well, in her case, um, she was going to go see Sparkle, and I said to myself, man, this is going to be good when I get home. So I come home from the office, and... Um, you know, I was like, hey, uh, how was the center today? So she's like, yeah, we went to see Sparkle. Oh, my God, did that movie suck? I'm like, why? She's like, it's just a whole bunch of people singing and, and being all emotional and blah, blah, blah. There were no explosions. There was no gunfire. The story wasn't that good. And I'm like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that you're going to go see a movie called Sparkle? Keyword here, folks, Sparkle. And you're expecting gunfire or violence and any of that usual madness that we all know and love, which I enjoy. No, not in the least bit. And you know, she complained about that. She complained about the, the subpar popcorn that was given out. And I told her, I'm like, how many people that went in with you brought their own food? She's like, Oh, a lot of the old people, you know, they had little bags of nuts and dried fruit and all this stuff. And I, of course I wasn't shocked because this is how old people get down. When I worked in the movie theater, this was this was a constant hassle, just catching all these old-timers, sneaking in dried fruit, uh, sandwich in your trench coat, all kinds of shit, shit from Little Caesars. Um, so the, the humor in, in the entire story is the fact that old people going on field trips can lead to some really great comedy. I'm really looking forward to her, her big field trip next week that she's excited about, which is the Old Country Buffet, which is... a uh, a local buffet here where they take them every couple of months. And she says, Oh, they have scrambled eggs. Like I've never seen an old person get more excited about scrambled eggs, bacon and, and, and grits than my grandmother. It's, 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 it's insanity at its finest. I figured I'd share that with you guys. Also a 3ds update with my sister. Uh, she's been glued to the new super Mario brothers game. I come home. That's it. She's completely glued to it. I'll say goodnight. She won't even hear me because she has headphones on, really enjoying the game. Uh, once again, Nintendo knows knows their audience when it comes to first-party titles, and uh, as usual, the Mario games don't disappoint. All right, let's get right into this week's MMA segment. As usual, our MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Get all your favorite MMA gear, including official T-shirts, um, including the Tap Out Sonnen Says T-shirt, your rash guards, your gloves, all the gear you need for training MMA and supporting MMA, make sure to head to MMAWarehouse.com. If you want, go to my MTR.com or MyTakeRadio.com. I haven't bought MTR yet. Fucking guy in Sri Lanka doesn't want to sell it to me. 
Anyway, go to MyTakeRadio.com, click the MMA Warehouse banner, and you'll help us out, and you'll be able to get some kick-ass gear in the process. Let's get the ball rolling. So, of course, the big topic this week is the the continued fallout of the cancellation of UFC 151. Ben actually wrote a fantastic article uh, expressing and allow, and expressing his disgust with what's going on with John Jones and, and how the fans have been reacting to it. Uh, very great and powerful article from Ben because it touched on a lot of things and just his frustration with the quote-unquote MMA fan base because of the way things have gone and the, and the things people are saying, especially on social media. Uh, great article from Ben, as usual, very insightful. You guys can check that out at MyTakeRadio.com. And, of course, share your comments with our live fire comment system. The comments that you leave on Facebook actually uh, duplicate onto the site, so you'll be able to maintain a conversation on Facebook and directly on the site. Same thing applies with Twitter as well, so you guys can definitely keep the conversation going either way. Now, of course, with the, the fallout of UFC 151, there are a lot of different scenarios you can look at. Of course, the easiest thing is to blame John Jones for not taking the fight, and Ben elaborated on that. Of course, last week, when we had Luis Gomez on from Hammer Fisting, he really gave some great insight as well, and of course, I shared my thoughts. And the fact still remains that the UFC didn't have to cancel the event. We, I've already gone on record as, as saying that, and a lot of people are also voicing that same opinion, including, uh, of course, MMA vlogger Bloodstained Lane. He put out a really awesome MMA video. I recommend you guys check it out. It's uh, the Team Takeover on YouTube, so you guys can see what he was talking about. Now, John Jones actually gave a statement to MMA Junkie regarding that, and, um, you know, I wanted to get into a couple of things uh, regarding what people said about him and his decision, he goes, if this was my first fight in the UFC and I really didn't have a choice and they needed somebody to step in last minute, if it was that type of a scenario, then I'd probably be more open to it. But I'm a UFC champion and I need to perform that way. If I would have taken this fight, that would have been letting my ego get in the way and not using my intellect. This is war and you have to go in there prepared. The criticism does bother me, but I have to stand by my decision. I have to be the man that I am. With such a large audiences comes great criticism. There, there will be a lot of scrutiny, but I've got to do what makes me happy and feels right to me. At the end of the day, I have to make the best choice for me and my family. Now, I can understand exactly where he's coming from. You know, it's, it's something we've discussed at length, especially last week, so I'm not going to go too crazy. John Jones, he's going to make apologies, of course, because he's... He, he's been backed into a corner, especially with the cancellation of the card, how it affected other other fighters. But John Jones will always think about John Jones. That's his job. You know, you're, 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 you're the face of an organization. Your job is to ensure that there's longevity, profitability, and most importantly, media attention for not only yourself, because you're your own brand, but for your, or, for your organization. Even though this has generated a lot of negative press, I guarantee you that Within the next six months or a year, if John Jones continues on the tear that he's been, there this is going to get swept under the rug. It's it, it really boils down to that. Of course, for the time being, it's a hot topic of discussion, but if he continues performing the way he does, or hell, if Vitor Belfort beats him for the belt, 
it's going to be something that'll be forgotten in due time. Now, the crazy thing is Vitor Belfort uh, stepping in for Machida, who decided to turn down the fight. Uh, basically, Belfort steps in with on a month's notice to get the title shot. Originally, Vitor Belfort was going to take on Alan Belcher at UFC 153, but they decided to move him to this pay-per-view to take on John Jones. Machida, of course, turned down the fight. He felt that he didn't have enough time getting ready, and with that, of course, Dana White is going to make sure that Lyoto Machida has to take one more fight before he gets that opportunity. Now, with the removal of UFC 151, there's been a lot of shifting around. Um, two of the fights from 151 actually got moved to UFC on Fuel TV 6. Uh, Takeya Mitsugaki and Jeff Hoglin, and also Yasuhiro Urushitani is going to be taking on John Lineker, and those are were originally going to take place, like I said, at 151, but they're going to take place instead at the Fuel TV event, which is going to be November 10th, and that's going to be in China. The main event for that card is going to be Rich Franklin versus Kung Lee, which is going to be a pretty good fight for that card. Of course, the UFC making their way into China. These fights actually work are tailor-made to be with that audience. Not to say that they weren't pay-per-view caliber, but once again, when you're giving it to a free MMA audience and they're exciting fights, you can bring in more casual fans to support the product. In some women's MMA news, uh, Sarah Kaufman uh, fresh off her loss to Ronda Rousey, is actually stepping in to take on Caitlin Young at the Invicta FC3 event. Of course, Invicta is the all-female promotion. It's going to be taking place October 6th in Kansas City. A lot of great fights going on on that card. Uh, Shayna Baszler is taking on Sarah the Monster D'Elio. Also, there's going to be a title fight for the 105-pound belt. Tara LaRosa is also going to be on that card. Uh, Julia Budd is also going to be fighting... Michelle Waterson, who a lot of people know her as the Karate Hottie, I recommend you look her up, and you'll see why. Uh, a lot of great, a lot of great fighters. It's really good to see Invicta stepping up, putting out these really great cards, putting women's MMA on the map. Their last card, which they gave on their website for free, was solid from start to finish. The ladies go in there, they deliver exciting fights, and it's always a great card. If you get the opportunity, visit Invicta's website, try and support them, follow them. Uh, Follow some of these talented ladies just so that they can continue to give exposure to a sport which, of course, primarily male-dominated, but the ladies are definitely stepping up their game. So Invicta goes down October 6th in Kansas City. In some other news, besides all the fights that you've heard for UFC on Fuel TV 6, SureDog actually dropped a little bit of knowledge for us. Uh, You have the light heavyweight fight between Thiago Silva and Stanislav Nedkov. Also going on that fight, allegedly, is Mac Danzig meeting the fireball kid, Takanori Gomi. I'm actually really looking forward to that fight. I like watching Gomi fight. I guess it's the pride fan in me. Uh, Gomi, is he still hasn't hit his stride in the UFC, but I think he has uh, the opportunity to do well. I think a fight with Mac Danzig should be interesting, and it's going to be great to see it in China and see how the Chinese audience reacts to mixed martial arts in their part of the world. A solid card, like I said, it's going to be on Fuel TV, and I'm super pumped, especially, like I said, um, Gomi and Kung Lee, of course, friend of the show, um, he's going to be in the Man in the Iron Fist, so him fighting so close to the release of the movie is going to be, it's going to work in, in two ways, of course, obviously, if he wins the fight, it'll be great to win in China, and lastly, it's another way to promote his film as well. 
Another card that was finalized that MMA Junkie announced was that the UFC 153 card was finalized. That's going to have 12 fights. That's going down October 13th in Brazil. Jose Aldo's putting up his featherweight title against Eric Koch. Rampage is going to have his last fight in the UFC against Glover Teixeira. John Fitch is taking on Eric Silva. Phil Davis is taking on Wagner Prado. Damian Maia is taking on Rick Story. That's on the main card. Now, the funny thing is, Rampage, of course, it's his last fight, but I really feel that with Chael Sonnen moving up to 205, a fight with Rampage would be such a huge money draw for the UFC. I think that if Chael Sonnen gets past Forrest Griffin and wants to get himself closer to a title shot, I think he should get himself a fight with Rampage. That would be a a great fight for the 205-pound division. Not only that, but the build-up to that fight would just be amazing on so many fronts. Definitely looking forward to that. In some news that I'm a little sad to announce, the father of Vanderlei Silva actually was killed in a car accident in Brazil uh, this past Sunday. He was involved in a head-on collision. Uh, the, the other driver died, and there's a child in the hospital as well. I'd like to extend my condolences to Vanderlei Silva's family. I'm a huge Vanderlei Silva fan, going back to the Pride days. Um, win, lose, or draw. Pride never die gotta support Vanderlei, and you know losing a parent sucks especially in such a in such a horrific way so of course our thoughts and prayers go out to Vanderlei Silva's family last bit of MMA news to share with you guys is that GSP announced via Twitter that he is medically cleared to resume training and also medically cleared to fight he will be meeting Carlos Condit at UFC 154 that's going to happen November 17th at Montreal's Bell Center also on that card, Mark Hominick, uh Mark Bocek is also going to be on that card. Tom Lawler, Martin Campen is going to be fighting on that card. He'll be meeting Johnny Hendricks. Great to see GSP back in there. Obviously, there's huge implications in this fight with Carlos Condit. Number one, obviously unifying the titles. Number two, a potential fight with Nick Diaz. And number three, the rumored super fight between him and Anderson Silva. All of that is on the table if he gets past Carlos Condit. So it's really an exciting time for the welterweight division. GSP, will he go up to 185 and vacate the belt, or will he get his fight with Nick Diaz first and then do the, do the super fight? Any way you slice it, you got the best fighter in the world uh, unify, with the potential to unify these titles and also the potential to give us two other great fights. Of course, the Nick Diaz fight and the super fight with Anderson Silva. Either way, it's a great time for MMA. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Let's get into some wrestling because there is a lot of stuff that we need to discuss, including this past Monday's Raw, which was complete horseshit. Booker, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! Alright, I figured I'd grace us with Ryback music, which by the way is going to need to be changed, obviously because they threw in the Feed Me More chant in there, which is obviously catching on. (coughs) Excuse me. Anyway, Raw this week was super lackluster. 
If you guys have read the buried column on the site from Blade and Quark, of course, Quark is going to be taking a hiatus after this because he is actually starting college. So, of course, uh, education comes first, but Blade will be stepping up to not only take care of buried, but a couple of other things as well. So expect some fresh content from Blade uh, in the near future. Now, regarding Raw, like I said, three hours, this move to three hours is a gift and a curse. A gift because we'd expect more wrestling. A curse because it's littered with recaps, touts, and bullshit. Of course, we open up with CM Punk, and he's coming out, his real turn, slash heel turn, beefing with Lawler. We know where this is going. First match of the night was Jack Swagger and Ryback. I don't even have to tell you how this ended, obviously with Ryback getting the win. We got a non-title match with Natalia and Layla, which was just not as good as I would have liked. Natalia's a great worker. Layla leaves a bit to be desired. I know as a face champion, she's, she's marketable, she's pretty. Especially when you go to the UK, you can market her well. But Natalia's just, her wrestling is so crisp and so clean that I'm surprised that she's not in better programs with better women. Now, the funny thing is that Triple H hasn't really been putting a lot of focus from what I've been hearing on Divas matches. Right now, the focus is on possibly uh, re-energizing the tag team ranks. So that seems to be the name of the game right now, which is unfortunate because you got some, some talented ladies there. I mean, Natalia, Beth Phoenix, um, make of it what you will, but Kelly Kelly's still a household name you can use. You got to build your division with these ladies and putting these 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 not garbage matches, but thrown together matches. It, it's just not it's really not great for the product. This match, like I said, it was such a contrast to styles that you couldn't even get into it if you wanted to. The high point of Raw this week, though, for me, were the Daniel Bryan and Kane anger management segments. They were very interesting because they were done in such a way that played on the strengths of both guys, and you actually got a lot of great laughs from it, especially I can relate just because I'm I'm an angry human being, but it's just funny seeing the frustration in Daniel Bryan, but yet the the great comedic stylings of Kane on display when he wants to be. I always feel Kane is such a versatile guy. He can always be the scary guy, but when he delivers a a humorous line or he uses himself to to get over a joke, it really works well. It doesn't hurt his character. Obviously, you don't want to rely on it too much, but it's nice to do little things like that. Now, they threw a match in there with The Miz and John Cena, which pretty much was a glorified squash. It really bummed me out because you, you have your The Miz holding your pretty much your secondary belt in the company, just getting destroyed by John Cena. It was, it was a mockery of a match. It made The Miz look weak. And frankly, the whole Super Cena fucking offense, it's, just, it's getting played, man. It really is getting played. But not as bad as Heath Slater and Santino Morella, two guys that... Heath Slater, he's, uh, he's obviously growing on everybody just because of the way he's being utilized. But Santino Morella is just, he's rock bottom. He needs repackaging at this point. The Cobra, all that bullshit, it's, it's just not working. And then you complement that with Brodus Clay and Sin Cara taking on Damian Sandow and Cody Rhodes. It, it was just a night of what the fuck moments on Raw. Brodus Clay, his, his shtick is definitely starting to wear thin. Damian Sandow is gold in whatever he does. I'm hearing that he's going to get a, a renewed push. Uh, well, not a renewed push, but they're going to focus more on getting him over, possibly moving him into some title contention. I think he's probably one of the best heels going right now. 
Sandow, Ziggler, even Cody Rhodes. Great heel work from these guys. Great. We got Daniel Bryan and R-Truth in a match which I felt was complete horseshit, especially when it ended in a count, in a count out because Daniel Bryan went crazy and started yelling no. Which, again, it's humorous, but if you're going to throw away that kind of a match, you could have just saved that for something different. He could have wandered out randomly, or you could have done it backstage. Again, wasting TV time. Next up, we had ourselves a, a Triple H promo where he shed one tear. He came out, oh, I'm going to make this quick, and it wasn't quick. It was 15 minutes of bullshit. It was pretty much Triple H pulling down his pants and giving himself a hand job for the audience. That's really what it was. It's like, dude... We understand that you, you got to sell it and you got to make it look, you know, you got to make it look believable and that's fine. But it just seems so forced and so phony at this point that I could have really done without it. Obviously, we got to bring everybody's feuds together. So you got to put tag matches, Del Rio and Ziggler, Orton and Sheamus. Um, as usual, we got a little bro kick. We get some RKO action, very paint by numbers. The faces actually came out on top in this one. Ziggler, I don't understand what they're doing with him. The guy keeps gaining momentum, and then they kind of just scale him back. And then they scale him back a little bit more. The other subpar moment of Raw, uh, besides Brodus Clay and Sin Cara in a tag match, and Heath Slater and Santino, was Zack Ryder and David Otunga. I'm glad Ryder gets TV time, and of course, be whooping David Otunga's ass is always good. But it just seemed like, again, just another filler match. There was no real build for it. They just said, go on out there and give us the best three or four minutes that you can. It, it really wasn't It wasn't that good. It really wasn't. Obviously, they teased uh, Dolph Ziggler facing Randy Orton this Friday on SmackDown. And they were doing a nice interactive stipulation for the main event, which was CM Punk and Jerry Lawler. I have to admit... It wasn't the worst mass, the worst match involving Lawler. I've seen messier matches with him. It was nice to see CM Punk get the victory with the Anaconda Vice, a move that he really hasn't been using as much as he should. It's a, it's a signature move. I did like that he hit uh, Jerry Lawler with a rock bottom, which a lot of people are saying that Michael Cole got a lot of flack for because he didn't really bring that up. It's unfortunate. <coughs> Excuse me. It's unfortunate. Because it really, you can see that that was a nice dig at The Rock mid-match. As usual, CM Punk continues to grow and evolve his character. I think the heel turn really worked to get to bring it full circle. The match with Lawler, like I said, it wasn't the worst match ever, but it wouldn't have been something to close out the show. I mean, Punk beating up on him, you'd expect. Of course, Cena comes out, he helps Lawler, and, and that's how he closed things out. But you could have thrown that in the second-to-last match. You could have done something a little more with it, only because to close out the show, I understand the logic of, you know, CM Punk's whole mantra of the champ being front and center and closing out the show with the champ every week, and that's fine, but I just felt that to utilize that much time in the cage match, while it was good, I kind of felt it went a little longer than it should have. Just my thoughts. Punk, as usual, like I said, solid, and Lawler, they, they got a good match out of Lawler, so I'm not complaining. Moving into Impact, I'm not going to go too crazy. Impact had a lot of really great moments. The Rob Van Dam-James Storm match from the Bound for Glory series was really good. Obviously, James Storm getting the win. We continue to get the whole Aces and Eights uh, scenario rolling along. And uh, eventually, I just have a feeling that we're going to be very disappointed on how it pans out. 
Madison Rain and ODB was was bullshit. Um, it was nice to see ODB get the win. I, I like seeing ODB get on TV. I, there are a lot of people that they're like, oh, you know, ODB, she doesn't really wrestle. She's kind of whatever. She she doesn't fit the the mantra of diva or knockout. But it's nice. I like that uniqueness. It's something that's lacking in the WWE. I mean, yeah, you can have a woman like ODB, but you can also have a woman like Velvet Sky or a woman like Victoria or a Gail Kim. It's such a mixture uh, of styles and personalities. And when they do go out there and deliver great matches, I, I continue to stand by the fact that TNA's women's division is better than the WWE's women's division. I stand by it. And I'll continue to stand by it until the WWE steps their game up. Another solid match, as always, Bound for Glory series match. AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. You could have these guys open the card, be in the middle of the card, or the end of the card, but they deliver hands down. It's a travesty that Samoa Joe isn't higher up or isn't even champion at this point. I mean, he's had a a title reign before, but I really think Samoa Joe is a guy that you can build your entire company around. Not only does he not look like your stereotypical jacked-up wrestler, but he's incredibly athletic, very well-spoken on the mic, has tremendous aggression when when he's put into that type of a role. I think Joe is a guy that can take TNA to the next level. He really is. Not to say that AJ can't, but I kind of feel that the boat with AJ has sailed only because, obviously, his, his accent is still a detriment in some circles. And while AJ is athletic, he hasn't been made relevant in main event caliber matches in a long time. Obviously, that feud with Daniels and, um, you know, and Kazarian, it, it was a great placeholder. But again, you can put those three guys together a thousand times. And while it is exciting to watch, it's the same formula we have come to expect. To close things out, we had a solid match between Hardy and Kurt Angle. Hardy looking very motivated, delivering a really good match. And we got a really great match out of Kurt Angle as well. As usual, Angle is solid. He delivers and he does great stuff. Uh, Aces and Eights continues to be a presence, as does Austin Aries, who is joining the fight with uh, Bully Ray, uh, James Storm, Samoa Joe, Hardy. And the way it works at this point is that it seems that it's everybody versus Aces and Eights. It's It's the same thing that we've seen with TNA with the main event Mafia, Sports Entertainment Extreme, um, the World Elite. There's so many different factions where it's usually the entire roster versus these guys. And in some cases, it works well, but it's been done so many times where, like I've said, when we find out who are all the members of Aces and Eights, I really feel that we're going to be let down. I'm sorry, but we are. I think that the payoff is not going to be as good as the build. Just my thoughts. Let's get into the rest of wrestling for this week. As usual, MTR's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWE Shop Zone. Make sure to hit up wweshop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 which is valid until August 31st. And of course, once we get a new promo code, we'll be sure to share it with you guys. That code is going to give you $10 off any order of $70 or more. So be on the lookout for that. If you want to pick up a couple of shirts or some merchandise for your kids heading back to school, make sure to use our code and save a little dough. Now, I haven't talked about her in a while, but she kind of made her presence felt in this week's wrestling segment, and that is the one and only China. China, as always, uh, continues to deliver great newsworthy headlines when it comes to our wrestling segment. Uh, She's created a great career for herself uh, in the adult film industry, and by great, I use 
air quotes for that because it's 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 pornography and it's China. Make of it what you will. Anyway, she she's dropping two films now. She's doing a Queen of the Ring, which obviously is going to be a uh, wrestling porno, but she is also doing the sensational She-Hulk, a porn parody, which will be dropping uh, September 30th. Not only that, but she's actually going to be doing appearances to promote the film. So if any of you guys want to go and point and laugh at China or even pick up an autographed copy of the sensational She-Hulk, here are the dates and places where you can check her out. For those of you here in New York, you can hit up Rick's Cabaret, September 10th and 11th. September 20th, if you are in on the West Coast, Burbank Bar and Grill. We have a porn expo here in, in the tri-state area. That's Exotica, which is in Edison, New Jersey. That'll be November 9th, 10th, and 11th. And then she will be at Vixen's in Bunker Hill, West Virginia, November 17th and 18th. Obviously, there's so... There's so much comedy here. I I really want to see her 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 turn as the sensational She-Hulk because obviously with her no with her nasally voice, it's gonna be fantastic to take her even slightly serious. Here's one thing I do have to say: when they do all these porn parodies, whether it's the Avengers, the Justice League, Harry Potter, they're so bad, but they are so funny that sometimes you just gotta watch them just to laugh. In, in this particular case, her as the sensational She-Hulk is just a recipe for disaster. Not only that, but most times when she shows up at these events, she's either fucked up or, or, or hammered. So if any of you guys go to these events, definitely I'd love to hear what you guys see going down. Obviously, it, it may be completely harmless and she may have gotten herself together or it may be a train wreck, but it's definitely worth discussing. Now, a couple of weeks back, we were talking about Batista's MMA debut. Of course, now going by his real name, Dave Bautista. He will be uh, making his MMA debut against Rashid Evans. Now, they've been pushing and pushing and pushing. It looks like they finally got a TV deal on a network called the CES Network. Classic Entertainment and Sports Promotions. They're going to be showing that fight. And that's going to be taking place at... On October 6th at the Dunkin' Donuts Theater in in Providence, Rhode Island. The CES channel is only in 17% of the homes in the U.S. So 17% of the, of the country is going to be able to watch Batista try his hand at mixed martial arts. I want to find a way to see this just to see how he does. Like I've said, I don't think he's going to do well. But you never know. He may He may put up a decent performance and we may get a couple of decent fights out of him. We shall see how it pans out. In some DVD and Blu-ray news, CM Punk is getting his own Blu-ray and DVD release, which is coming out October 9th. Obviously, they got a full-on documentary, but the best part is a lot of the matches that they got, they got some of his OVW stuff. They have his OVW World Heavyweight Championship Tournament match with Brent Albright from 2006. The first ECW match with him and Justin Credible from August 2006. The last chance match from ECW, which was him and John Morrison, which was really, really good. That's from uh, 2007. His involvement in the Money in the Bank match, which was with him, Chris Jericho, Shelton, John Morrison, Carlito, MVP, and Mr. Kennedy. That was at WrestleMania 24, 2008. Another great performance. CM Punk and Kofi Kingston took on Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase in a tag team championship match from 2008. They also got his really awesome match for the IC belt against William Regal. Very enjoyable match. 
I also was really looking forward to the fact that they threw in his SummerSlam match with Jeff Hardy, which was awesome. Um, Rey Mysterio joining Sports. Um, what the hell? What the hell did they call themselves? Uh, Straight Edge Society. Uh, that was his match with against CM Punk. It was a hair versus. Um, well, hair versus joining. Um, Straight Edge Society match, which of course led to bald CM Punk and CM Punk in a match. And they threw the usual matches that you've all come to expect. Him and Cena from Money in the Bank. Him and Jericho from WrestleMania 28. And his match with Daniel Bryan from Over the Limit, which was amazing. So I'm glad I'm glad to see that match uh, get the due in there. Because him and Bryan, like I said, nothing would be more fitting than a WrestleMania match with all the cards on the table. Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Iron Man match. That would be the best way to close it out. I think it would be uh, just a way to close out a legendary feud and to really put those two guys over. I, I'm hoping that they pull the trigger on it. Most likely, it'll probably be Punk and The Rock at WrestleMania if they go that route, and maybe uh, Triple H and Lesnar or Cena and The Undertaker, which I've heard. We shall see what the deal is with that. Now, our What the Fuck Wrestling news for this week regards is in regards to one of Brodus Clay's lovely Funkadactyls, that being Cameron, who was arrested for DUI. This, ha- this happened, I believe, this past Friday, last week, and um, she was released on $500 bond. Now, the crazy thing about it was that TMZ reports that she tried to bribe the cops after she was arrested. She was um, right outside Tampa International Airport. She blew a point twenty which is twice the legal limit in the state. She allegedly offered one of the officers $10,000 to let her go because she would lose her job. She listed WWE as her employer, and there was a male passenger in the car that said that they had been drinking martinis before she decided to drive. Now, this can end with Brodus Clay being short one dancer, maybe her being in the doghouse, but the fact that she tried to bribe a police officer is 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 huge right now how wwe plans to handle this remains to be seen but i know for a fact that it's not it's not going to end well because the negative press of her trying to bribe an officer had it just been her getting popped for the dui i mean it happened to alex riley it's happened to a lot of guys and yeah they get put in the doghouse for a little bit but it's never on the on the level of something like this which is a separate charge obviously bribing a police officer I I really don't know how it's going to pan out, but most likely they'll leave it alone for the time being. But who knows? She may get replaced. She may may even get released. I know that WWE has had a rep that released a statement that said they were going to look into it and address the matter with her. But I honestly feel, like I said, that the bribing is, is a huge, huge negative for her. So we shall see what happens next week if Brodus Clay comes out and he's short one dancer, or maybe he has a new dancer. Might be time for another diva to get called up. We shall see how that unfolds. And it wouldn't be a wrestling segment without good old Ric Flair, who is now getting divorced from his fourth wife. Here's the here's the thing. Ric Flair has to wrestle so much because he has to pay so much child support. The guy's probably going to die in the ring one day. Which is unfortunate because Ric Flair is, is a legend in this industry. But he's already on his fourth wife. I believe he's got kids with two out of the four. The third one I know is taking him for a, for, for a lot of money. And here we are now with his fourth one. Now, 
the 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 beauty of it all is that Ric Flair is free to sign with WWE as of September 10th. Though that date may get pushed back because WWE and TNA are involved in a lawsuit regarding the poaching of members of their roster. Now, the strong rumor is that they're going to bring in Flair and they may have him manage Dolph Ziggler, which I wouldn't mind. That actually would be a great pairing, distance him from Vicky Guerrero. But honestly, we're at a point where Dolph Ziggler doesn't even need a manager. His wrestling ability sells himself. He doesn't need Vicky, and he doesn't even need Flair. Flair may actually be a detriment because he'll take away his spotlight. If anything, use Flair to get over another guy. I mean, you guys got Flair's daughter in there. Maybe he should manage her and and add a little bit of... Uh, you know, wrestling royalty to the Divas division, but who knows? I know WWE loves Ric Flair. They know that he's always good for business, and not not only that, like I said, he's being divorced by his fourth wife, or he's divorcing his fourth wife, so you know he's going to pay more alimony and more child support. He's probably going to... He's probably going to wrestle till he's dead, and then we'll get zombie Ric Flair that'll still have to wrestle to pay off alimony and child support. It's ridiculous how the mighty have really fallen. I mean, Ric Flair, one of the best guys in the game, and he's relegated to, like I said, doing indie shows and and fucking around with TNA. It's like the guy's a legend. He retired in the WWE. What is so hard about being retired? Stay retired, manage, use a legend's contract, maybe run Raw or SmackDown for a little bit, and just keep your nose clean. Stay out of fucking trouble. Seriously. Last but not least, we got another roster update, and that re- that involves Devon, of course, who is the TV champion for TNA. It seems that him, but also Bully Ray, their contracts are up, and from what I'm hearing, and Devon actually posted it on Twitter, it looks like he did not re-up with TNA. He wrote the following, I would like to thank the TNA fans for making the last seven years fun. I'm sure we'll see each other again down the road real soon. I'm ready to see where God brings me next. I can't wait. I see big things on the way. Oh, hell no. I'm not retiring. I think Devon, his single his singles career was really not a high point. And Bubba Ray's gotten himself, um, he's gotten himself in great shape. He's a great heel in TNA. But I honestly think that Team 3D will probably be back in the WWE sooner or later to bolster the tag ranks. Not only that, but I like to see those guys go into the Hall of Fame. They deserve it. They've done a lot for this business. They've been involved in so many memorable matches, memorable feuds. It would be a disservice to let their careers, which are so which are so illustrious, especially for ECW and even WWE, to be overshadowed by their, their decent work in TNA. Um, I liked what Ravage in the chat said. Ric Flair's reason for divorce, too much wheeling, dealing, and kiss-stealing. You never know with Ric Flair. A lot of people have always said that Ric Flair is just a dirty old man. He he um, likes hitting on women, you know, young chicks. He likes to ask them if they want to ride Space Mountain. You know, everything that Ric Flair is in a character, to some degree, is Ric Flair in real life. I've heard mixed. I've heard mixed things, but the majority of them have been that. That's going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. Let's get right into video games. <laughs> My Take Radio's video game segment is brought to you by Creaction Interactive, makers of the upcoming crowdsource RPG, Orovim. 
If you want to learn more about the project, make sure to check out creactioninteractive.com. You can also hit up the Orvim uh, Facebook fan page or the Creation Interactive uh, the Creation Interactive fan page as well. Obviously, those of you that donated on behalf of MTR would get some really cool exclusives. So if you did, we appreciate it. Be on the lookout for some other stuff from Creation and MTR in the near future. All right. We got a lot of video game news this week, surprisingly, especially with the end of the summer. First up, in a video I shared on our Facebook fan page, of course, we got two exclusive uh, sp- special editions for Call of Duty Black Ops. First up, the hardened edition that comes with a steelbook case and the soundtrack, challenge coins, and DLC. That edition is going to run, guys, $80. Now, of course, the big one, the care package, you're going to get all of that stuff, plus you're getting a Dragonfire drone and a care package to store it in. That, my friends, is going to run you $180 for you to get that drone. Those bundles will be available the same day as usual. If you want to make sure to get that Dragonfire drone, go out there and pre-order the shit. Honestly, $180 for a fucking Call of Duty game. You can't You can't get me to do it. I'm sorry. You can't. In some DLC news, those of you that are still playing Skyrim or have put it on the side for a while, make sure to get ready to throw it back into consoles. There's some new DLC dropping September 4th, which is Hearthfire. That's going to allow players to build their own homes, complete with rooms dedicated to specific jobs. You'll also be able to adopt children as well. Not only that, but you'll be able to customize all your land, guard it from unwanted visitors, and it's going to run you 400 Microsoft points, Being starting out, of course, as an Xbox Live exclusive. Now, I posted a video on the fan page earlier this week regarding PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royal. Um, I'm, I'm sure Slick saw it. And one of the roster additions was Evil Cole McGrath, who is, you know, of course, being added with regular Cole as well. Another character that was announced is Raiden from the Metal Gear Solid series. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on that. With Metal Gear celebrating its anniversary, you're going to get some love uh, for for Raiden, including lots of combo attacks, and you'll even be eligible, well, not eligible, able to stick players in boxes with his level 3 super. Um, Raiden, eh, I mean, it, it Snake, Revolver Ocelot, Liquid Snake, I, I, I would have rather than any of those, even a Metal Gear, you could have had a little fun with that, throwing a, a, a Metal Gear exosuit in there or something like that, but obviously, with the anniversary of Metal Gear, it, it was a no-brainer that Cole McGrath, I mean, not Cole McGrath, that Raiden would be thrown in there as well. Capcom is back in the double-dipping fold with their Marvel vs. Capcom Origins, which is dropping September 25th. I will be one of the sheep that will be picking it up. It's going to run you $14.99 for the PlayStation Network and also or 1200 Microsoft points. Obviously, you're going to get uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, but also Marvel Super Heroes, HD graphics, uh, eight-player lobbies, uh, spectator mode, all the stuff we all have come to expect from the Capcom fighting games are going to be front and center with Marvel vs. Capcom Origins. 15 bucks isn't a bad deal for both games. They come out to $7.50 apiece. I can live with that. And as always, I support as many fighting games as I can, especially Capcom, because like I'm a sheep. What do you want from me? $14.99 gets it on the PSN, 1,200 points on Xbox Live. I know a lot of guys have been talking about Borderlands 2, and a lot of people, especially on our fan page, a lot of our fans have been talking about picking it up, 
or any news that we may have on it. Well, check this out. If you want to get your hands on a season pass for Borderlands, you'll be able to get it the day of release. That pass is going to run you 30 bucks. You're going to get four DLC packs, which, of course, individually will cost $10. All pieces of the content are scheduled to, are scheduled to be available by June 2013. So if you want to get the upper hand on that, I really would have thought that they would have done something a little different with Borderlands. I know that they're doing the collector's edition and a couple of other things, but it seems that for a game that's kind of gone under the radar, it really has a hardcore fan base. So releasing the the season pass on day one release is pretty cool. You save 10 bucks in the long run. I don't know how many people are hardcore with the DLC for Borderlands, but you save 10 bucks for all four packs. No biggie. Now, the PlayStation Vita, of course, we haven't really talked about it much because obviously there's not much to fucking say. Uh, the PS Vita has just been collecting dust in a lot of stores. It's got a couple of titles here and there, but it seems that Sony is really making a push now to reinforce the Vita with PS1 classics. Originally, they had a pretty decent selection, but they're adding a couple of new titles, which some are actually available now, and I'll share some of those with you in case you want to pick them up and you have a Vita, Alundra, Ark the Lad 2, Championship Bass, Extreme Pinball, Grandia, High Octane, um, Klonoa, Magic Carpet, Medal of Honor, Medal of Honor Underground, Nuclear Strike, Oddworld Abe's Exodus, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, Populous the Beginning, Ridge Racer Type 4, Rayman 1 and Rayman 2, SimCity 2000, Soviet Strike, Tekken, Tekken 2, Theme Hospital, Rainbow Six, Tomba, Vanguard Bandits, and Wing Commander 4. So, if your Vita has no games, feel free to pick up those old PS1 classics so they can keep you occupied until Sony decides to release some good titles on the Vita. I guess the classics are going to have to keep you company for the time being. And of course, to wrap things up, it wouldn't be August, it wouldn't be the end of the summer without talking about Madden. Madden, of course, came out this past Tuesday, or as I like to call it, Roster Update 13. Um, a lot of people are picking it up, of course, everybody I've seen. I saw guys camping out on my drive to work Tuesday. I saw dozens upon dozens of people walking out of the mall with bags full of either the Madden game, the Madden guide, uh, whatever pre-order swag they had. Anyway, as usual, it's off to a huge start. Uh, Madden 13 has sold already 900,000 copies within its first 24 hours of availability, according to EA's internal estimates. That's a 7% increase over last year's Day 1 sales. The game also set a record for number of Day 1 users playing a Madden title online. They didn't give specifics, but they did say that it was a 28% increase overall. So, there you have it. Everybody would grab, you know, almost a, almost a, a million units within the first day. Pretty damn good. Regardless of how you feel about EA or your love or love-hate relationship, Madden is Madden and Cash is King. And Madden is doing a really great job. Now, I'm hearing rumors and some people are saying that they heard about it at the GameStop Expo that NBA Live is actually only going to be released on Xbox Live and PSN and will not get a store release. I don't know how legit that is, but honestly, I think that the NBA 2K series is a far superior basketball game, 
especially if you saw the video of the new NBA 2K13 that I shared on our Facebook fan page. Dunk contest, all-star games, playing as Jordan, Pippen, all the legends. Not only that, but Team 92's dream team taking on uh, 2012's dream team. That alone makes it worth picking up. And like I said, the dunk contest looks awesome as well. So make sure to pick up NBA 2K13, if anything. Um, If you're playing Madden, more power to you. What can I say? You're part of the 900,000 that bought the game. Me, personally, I will continue boycotting Madden because they they just put pretty trimmings on it. They don't really move the genre forward. I'm sorry. That's my take, and I'm sticking to it. All right. Now, let's get into our movie segment for this week. We got a lot to... Well, it's not even movies. I got to keep correcting myself. It's entertainment because we do talk about TV stuff as well. So let's get right to it. Have you assembled the mercenaries? Here and awaiting your command. I have selected your finest warriors. Blade. Sarad. The Beast Man. And Karg. For those of you that are not aware of where that is from, that is from the Masters of the Universe film that came out uh, in the late 80s, in the early 90s with Dolph Lundgren, Frank Langella played Skeletor, and as hacky and and shitty as it may be in some circles, I will say that the monologue that Skeletor delivered when he became the Master of the Universe was probably one of the most masterful monologues from a villain that I've heard in in recent memory, I was I was so impressed. I actually want to share it with you guys because it was it was Skeletor being a complete badass, and um, it was it just the way he delivered it is what I'd expect to see from somebody like Thanos um, in the Infinity Gauntlet when it goes down because it was it was great. It was amazing from start to finish. Anyway, I just wanted to share it with you guys just because Slick shared that sound clip with me and it was such a trip down memory lane. But check out this monologue. Frank Langella is a beast. And um, again, if you've never seen Masters of the Universe and you're an 80s baby, check it out for a few laughs. Mystery Science Theater style. Check it out. I, Skeletor, am master of the universe. This clip is too fucking long. Where the hell is the one where he just gives the fucking monologue? It was supposed to be short. Ugh. Hold on a second. Let me let me use the power of YouTube fast forwarding because when he um when he just became a god, he pretty much clowned He Man like you know, you're a fucking bitch. You're not my equal. And uh, yeah, I think it should be here. Let's try that shit again. <laughs> Yes! I feel the universe within me. I am 
I am a part of the cosmos. Its energy flows, flows through me. Of what consequence are you now? This planet, these people, they are nothing to me. The universe is power! Pure, unstoppable power! And I am that force! I am that power! Kneel before your master! Fool! You are no longer my equal! I am more than man! More than life! I... That complete monologue was amazing. Now imagine being uh, a six or seven year old kid into Masters of the Universe and it was, it was, you watch it and you're just like, holy shit, like, like some serious shit is about to go down. Now, obviously watching it now, it hasn't aged well. We, we, I joke about it. You see Courtney Cox in there just young, looking young and cute. And the rest of it is complete horseshit. Gwildor, that little dwarf-looking dude that they used to substitute for Orko. There were so many bad things wrong with that movie. But there were also a lot of cool things, too. Um, like I said, just a little homage to, to some of the stuff growing up. And I figured I'd share that monologue with you because I shared it on the on the fan page. And people were like, wow, yeah, that was probably one of the best things ever. And we don't get that anymore. We don't get that with bad guys as often as we'd like. I mean, Bane did a great job in The Dark Knight Rises, obviously the Joker. A lot of those those more cerebral characters deliver some some awesome lines. We don't get that often, and like I said, I wanted to share that with you guys, a trip down memory lane. Figured a lot of you guys would get some laughs out of it as well. Now, let's get into the movie news for this week. Um, the Rock is going to be attached, to, is rumored to be doing a film called Dan Minter, Badass for Hire. The movie's been in development since 2008, and they're looking at a 2013 production date. Obviously, it follows the adventures of Dan Mintner, or Mintner, however you want to pronounce it, who is the ultimate badass and gets swept up in a hard-boiled kidnapping case. Obviously, The Rock has got a full plate with G.I. Joe, probably the Royal Rumble, most likely WrestleMania. He's he's definitely getting himself out there, and of course, Fast 6, uh, Fast you know, Fast 6, which is filming now, he's he's very busy. I mean, one of the things I found out recently was that he finished his match with John Cena with a with an injured hamstring. So I'm sure that hampered some of the other stuff he was working on, but I got to commend The Rock for making himself a household name. He's done a good job. In the RoboCop reboot news, it seems that nobody is doing what they need to do to get this movie made. Uh, the director, Jose Padilla, has gone on record as saying that making the movie has been hell. In addition to that, people are dropping left and right. Hugh Laurie is no longer involved with the project. He was originally going to play, uh, play the CEO of Omnicorp. And for some reason, he just decided that he has left the project and is being replaced by one Michael Keaton. Uh, the character he'll be playing is Raymond Sellers. He is the CEO of Omnicorp, which creates RoboCop. So it's good to see Michael Keaton being involved. I haven't seen Michael Keaton in a movie in a while. I mean, I, uh, he was in The Other Guys, and he was really good in that. Great comedic timing. It, it's weird that we don't see him on screen as much because he's a very talented actor. I'm shocked that you know it, it's taken this long for him to get back into acting, but 
I have really, really mixed feelings about this RoboCop reboot. I don't think, and Slick brought this to my attention, is I don't think it's going to have the same level of campiness and, 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 and gross humor that we were used to in Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop. On the contrary, I think they're going to play it a little more safe, more style over substance, and honestly, you know reboots don't fare well. Uh, Dread 3D looks like it's trying to redeem itself after Stallone's complete disaster, and I'm hoping it does well, but uh, in terms of RoboCop, I really feel that it's it's not going to be good. I'm sorry, it's not. Now, a couple of weeks back, we were talking about Ben Affleck being rumored to be directing the Justice League film. Of course, those rumors were shot down. Now, according to Movie Hole, it looks like the Wachowskis are up for the role. Obviously, they are no longer the Wachowski brothers since one of them became a girl. Now it's Andy and Lana uh, Wachowski. And basically, the crazy thing about this is that the Justice League film is going to be the re is also going to be the the sign of a reboot for the Batman series. So we talked about uh, another potential Batman film and and when we can expect it. We're not going to be getting a Batman film until Justice League. Justice League will be coming out first. Batman, uh, whatever new Batman film comes out will be available after that. So there you have it. Now the crazy thing with this is that you're going to have a completely new Batman working in an ensemble film with no backstory behind it except Batman being in the Justice League. Now the issues with that obviously are that these characters aren't going to get a chance to really work together. See, the Avengers, they did it right. Each film, in some shape or form, had its own solo projects, with with Nick Fury kind of bringing them all together. Obviously, Robert Downey Jr. popping up in the movies, the Hulk popping up in the movies, things like that, uh, Thor, Captain America, all these things, they all were part of a bigger plan to kind of bring that mythology together full circle. Now, in Justice League's case... You're going to have a completely brand new ensemble film with a completely new cast that has never worked together, and you're going to expect fireworks. Not only that, but it's going to be the launching vehicle for a brand new Batman film. What else can you do with Batman at this point? The last DC film that you're going to be seeing is The Man of Steel. Then you're going to see Justice League, from what I'm hearing, in 2015. I don't know how I feel about it. I honestly am concerned, like I said, that you're launching a complete ensemble film at this stage of the game with and using that as a launch pad for something like like a brand new Batman series. They should have just do one Superman film, do a Batman film, do possibly another Green Lantern, throw a Flash movie out there, things like that, just to get those characters out there, to get those characters' names on on people's tongues. It's something that would have actually done more to help the film than hinder it. You don't have to go crazy, but just smaller smaller budget films, especially you already got your big guns with Superman and Batman, but I think that characters like The Flash don't get the spotlight they deserve. I, you know, Same thing with Wonder Woman. I understand what Ravage is saying, that the reverse could work also because people are tired of origin movies, but you know what? Don't do don't do movies of Superman and Batman because we know what their deals are. But you know, give us solo films with with characters like I said, Wonder a solid Wonder Woman film would do well. She has a good rogues gallery. Even if you make her fight Ares, the God of War, um, Cheetah, she has a decent uh, um, number of villains there, and you can kind of bring it full circle. Or maybe at the end, she she appears at this building, and Batman is there waiting for her, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I need you for this team." 
you can do you can do some stuff with that. Same thing with uh, the Flash. The Flash character is another one you can have a lot of fun with that. Green Lantern. We've seen how the film did. It didn't do as good as as everybody would have liked, but I think the potential was there for Green Lantern to be good. I think that they tried to just squeeze too much into one film. Parallax, the Sinestro Corpse, all that shit. You could have just just done it focused on Sinestro and turning Sinestro evil and left Parallax out of it completely. Sinestro became an evil Green Lantern long before he got the Yellow Ring. He just he flipped and then he got the Yellow Ring and that was like a major part of his turn. Same could be said with yeah, you know, you want to throw characters maybe like Cyborg or Green Arrow in there. Sure, but don't you don't have to spend complete box office dollars to throw those guys in there. On the contrary, you can use the guy from the Green Arrow TV show who's already being established and kind of throw him into the mix. That way it kind of brings everything full circle. I'm just concerned like I said about using an ensemble film without people being familiar with all the other characters. Obviously, Wonder Woman is a household name, The Flash is a household name, Batman and Superman, Green Lantern, we all know. But characters like Martian Manhunter, Cyborg, Green Arrow, if you want to get really crazy, you could throw a character like Plastic Man in there for for comic relief. Um, You know, I I gotta applaud Ravage, who's been dropping some, some really great stuff in there. Watchmen, of course, definitely broke the mold in terms of ensemble films, but that's just because Zack Snyder had had a wonderful and beautiful vision. Slick and I actually watched that movie when it was released, and it was it was a, an assault on the senses, very well done. Um, he is writing in caps, no, no plastic men. And you know what? As much as, as I'm sure a lot of people would say no, but every every team needs that comic relief. Obviously, Tony Stark lent that to the Avengers films, but think about this, in, in, in the Justice League, there's really nobody that can lend that sort of comic relief. Maybe the Flash, maybe um, Green Arrow to an extent. But you want a guy like that, a, a, a guy that can just add that type of, of, of comedic element to it. The Flash, yeah, you know, he's, he's good, but it depends on which Flash you go with, which is a complete other story in itself. You know, you got Barry Allen, you got Wally West, you got the guy, the guy that became Kid Flash who is now Young Flash, who knows where they're going to go and who's going to be involved. But I'm very, 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 very apprehensive. Anyway, let me not beat this up anymore. Let's get into some box office totals. The Expendables held on to the top spot, $13.5 million. It dropped 52%. It's made $52.3 million domestically and $74 million worldwide in two weeks. It has a $100 million budget, so combined... Between domestic and international, they've already met their budget. And of course, they're going to do well in Blu-ray and DVD releases when it drops. Born Legacy was number two. Paranorman was number three. The Campaign was number four. The Dark Knight Rises was number five. The Odd Life of Timothy Green was number six. Premium Rush eh, was number seven. 2016 Obama's America was number eight. Hope Springs was number 9, and Hit and Run was number 10. Well, there you have it. And I'm sure Labor Day weekend, we're going to see an increase for films like The Dark Knight, possibly The Expendables. I really don't... I was shocked that they didn't put out something huge for Labor Day weekend. I'm, I'm shocked that Hollywood didn't pull the trigger on something big. But what can you expect? 
Now, in news that I'm sure will upset quite a few of you, the 3D versions of Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith will be released back-to-back. Attack of the Clones in 3D will be released on September 20th, 2013. Revenge of the Sith in 3D will be released three weeks later on October 11th. Clearly, it's another George Lucas cash grab with the 3D upsell, which of course is going to continue to pad the box office receipts for the Star Wars series. I've seen a lot of people on message boards and in groups talking about that they're going to go check it out just because, you know, you're, they're always going to be fans regardless. But I'm sorry. Post-production 3D is, in my opinion, hit, and, hit or miss. Uh, we've seen moments where it's complete shit. We're looking at you, Clash of the Titans. And um, moments where it's been all right. But how many other ways can we have Star Wars at this point? Really? 3D now? I'm sure it'll make money. But I don't think people are going to be jumping out of their seat to see it. I'm sure if anybody goes to see it, probably Josh will from our site. He'll go check it out and shit on George Lucas like he does oh so well. But we shall see how it pans out. But if you are a hardcore Star Wars fan, September 20th, 2013 is your day for Attack of the Clones. And obviously in three weeks from that on October 11th, Revenge of the Sith is your other target. Now, I wanted to get into this bit of news this week because... It, it, I, it's always nice to get insight from the man himself. And that man is Stan Lee, who was at the Fan Expo in Canada. He actually spoke to Geek Tyrant, which is a great site, by the way, about the films that Marvel's put out that he did not like. And the reason I want to talk about this is because it's something that a lot of people, they always have their own criteria for whether they like movies, whether it's because of the special effects or the action. But to hear it from the man himself, It's very interesting to see the insight that he had. And I want to share this with you. With regards to the movies he didn't like, he said, I would have liked the Hulk to be smaller in the first two movies. I didn't like the way Doctor Doom was portrayed in the Fantastic Four. Now with Daredevil, they just wrote the whole thing wrong. They made him too tragic. That's not the way I wrote him. I think they're working on a new Daredevil movie and it'll be better. So hold your judgment until then. Obviously... The Daredevil film that he may have been talking about was the one that Fox was going to put out, which was scuttled with the rights now reverting back to Marvel. So unless he knows something we don't, maybe he was probably talking about that or there may be a Daredevil project already in the works. Now, he was also asked about characters that he would like to see um, make it to the silver screen. Of course, he said that Deadpool is such a popular character. I'd be surprised if he wasn't in his own movie in the near future, which we already know is being worked on. Um, There's also talks of a Doctor Strange movie, he said, a Black Panther movie, and an Ant-Man movie. Just so many ideas in the works right now at Marvel. Honestly, I'd like to see a Black Panther movie, and I'd like to see him in the next Avengers. The Ant-Man movie we knew was coming, and before people go and um, complain about the, the Black Panther, you have to take into consideration he was a very crucial part of the Avengers in multiple instances, and to, to not acknowledge uh, an African-American superhero is just in, in poor taste, in my opinion. I mean, you got so many great members of the Avengers, obviously Black Panther. We can go Power Man. We can go Falcon. Thanks for Ra- to Ravage for bringing that up. Falcon, of course, you're going to be seeing him in Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So who knows? We may be seeing him in the Avengers as well. But um, I do think that the Hulk in the first movie was a little bit more blocky. I actually liked Ed Norton's Hulk. I liked the way he looked. I like that he was more vascular. He was like the peak performance of the human body, shredded, really big. But like anything else, and we've seen this in the comics, everybody looks at the Hulk differently. 
everybody draws them differently. Sometimes they draw them really squished, like they've drawn, like they've done with Joe Fixit. Other times they draw him really, really jacked up and not that big, more slightly shorter and wider. But at the end of the day, the Hulk is going to be the Hulk regardless. As long as he's written right, the way he looks hasn't really bothered me. I have to admit that the way he was done in the Avengers looked really cool. It was a, slightly an homage to the way he used to look, but it was nice that they kept elements of uh, Mark Ruffalo's appearance in the appearance of the Hulk. It was it was really well done. Now, we got some what the fuck TV news for this week. Beverly Hills Cop is the subject. Now, I'm sure you're wondering why is Beverly Hills Cop being discussed as a TV show. Get this. It seems that According to Vulture, Sean Ryan, who created The Shield, is going to executive produce the show with Eddie Murphy. And Sony Pictures is behind the project. Murphy has agreed to appear in the series as a regular. Basically, what they want to do is that he wants to be a recurring character, but not the lead. Basically, it's going to have strong comedic elements, and it's going to be a buddy cop format. The way they're looking at it is that it's going to be Axel Foley's son, that moves out to Beverly Hills to get out of his father's shadow. And of course, it's going to be weekly episodic series with a little bit of buddy elements behind it. I kind of can see this being successful, but you got to put it on a show on a channel like FX or something of that nature, because you need the Axel Foley that we all grew up with. Now, obviously, you're going to say to yourselves, hey, it's fucking Beverly Hills cop. It's going to suck, blah, blah, blah. And it's true. I think another Beverly Hills cop movie would not work. But if it's done right, a TV show, you can probably get maybe uh, maybe two or three seasons out of it. But we need Taggart and Rosewood. You need all the guys from the original. Maybe Taggart is retired, which we know. Or maybe Taggart passed away and Rosewood is running, the, or is, is running uh, Beverly Hills PD. Things like that at least would bring it full circle. It would help people connect with it better. And of course, Eddie Murphy wanting to be on, but not wanting to be the head of the series is great. I personally think that the the more he distances himself from it, but keeps his name in there, it'll make people feel more comfortable supporting it. It's 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 a definitely a what the fuck moment because of all the things that you can bring to TV, Beverly Hills Cop is the most random thing, especially because we haven't heard anything about uh future Beverly Hills Cop movies or even Eddie Murphy for that matter in in such a long time. But there's a part of me that that wants to reserve judgment. I think it'll work if it's done exactly the way I'm saying. Eddie Murphy, limited involvement, bring the rest of the cast back, um, especially Judge Reinhold, because he's not doing anything, and he would add that great comedic, uh, great comedic element to uh, the chemistry with Eddie Murphy. Maybe Eddie Murphy shows up. He's like, hey, you know, Rosewood, this is my son, blah, 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 and then, you know, is he is he anything like you, Axel? <laughs> you know, typical Eddie Murphy bullshit. I think it would work but it needs to be paced right, and it needs to be on a cable network. You can't put it on broadcast television because it will fail. FX for sure. Maybe AMC if you want to get a little crazy, but I think FX is a better fit. There you have it. Last but not least, to wrap up the movie news for this week, um, of course, 25th anniversary of Metal Gear. They had a huge event celebrating it. Seems that... um, Hideo Kojima and also Avi Arad will announce that they will be making a Metal Gear film. They're going to be bringing that to the silver screen at some point. No other details were revealed, but they we will be getting a Metal Gear film. Now, now obviously, 
Most people are probably shitting in their pants because they don't want to see a film completely dedicated to Raiden. Um, you know, you can do Sons of the Patriots and all their crazy dialogue, but just doing the film based on Snake alone, you can probably create an ongoing film series just completely from the games themselves. Now, this is one thing that we've talked about with comics and video game movies for such a long time, and it's exactly that. The blueprint is already there. The game has a clean, easy-to-follow plot that would translate well to screen. Frame for frame, within reason, bring that to the silver screen that way. As soon as you start writing crazy shit and coming up with crazy ideas, it's, it's destined to suck. We've seen that already with films based on Doom, uh, the Resident Evil series to a degree. I-, I can cite plenty of other video game movies that have strayed from the source material, and most times they just they suck. They really do. Let's not even talk about that gem known as House of the Dead. We know how complete dog shit that was. But again, you know, a Metal Gear movie, if done right, can become a complete cash cow for Konami, Hideo Kojima, Everybody can get paid on this, but you got to take your time. You got to find the right guy to play Snake. Um, If you want to throw in Big Boss, you know what? I think when we wrap tonight, I'm going to go on the fan page and I'm going to ask you guys to cast a Metal Gear film. And I'm going to give you guys a couple of characters, you know, uh, Meryl Silverborough, Snake, maybe Liquid, uh, Revolver Ocelot, a couple of characters. I want to see what you guys come up with, see what you guys say, and... Who knows? Maybe maybe somebody will take notice and forward that information to the right place. Last but not least, before we close things out, Slick has just informed me that his review of Darksiders 2 is live on the site. So if you want to check it out or you've been on the fence about picking it up, make sure to check out Slick's review. Head over to MyTakeRadio.com to check it out. I am also playing Darksiders 2, and you'll see my review within the next few days as well. Um, I'm one of those people, I'm, I'm, I'm about at the halfway point with with it so you know it, it'd be a great way to do a review for it but i've been so glued i've been forcing myself to play it um and most times i just play it for hours on end because it really is it starts off a little slow but when you get deeper into it it really really picks up but don't take my word for it make sure to check out slick's review and judge for yourselves as always any comments left on our facebook fan page do duplicate onto the website to maintain the conversation so you guys can express your thoughts either way all right guys that actually is going to wrap things up for this week you've just heard my take radio episode 153 for thursday august 30th 2012 if you have any emails questions or concerns or would like to be a guest on a future episode of mtr feel free to hit me up mtr host at mytakeradio.com. you can always call us up on our feedback line if you don't want to email 347-815-0687 Three four seven eight one five zero M T R. As always, if you don't want your messages played on air, make sure to specify that when you start recording. All right, social media—we are all over the place. You can follow us on Twitter at My Take Radio. You can also look for us on MySpace, on Facebook, of course. You can become a fan there. Make sure to recommend M T R to your friends. You gotta. You want to ask any other non-email centric questions? You can hit us up on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash my take radio. Add us to your circle on Google Plus. We've been trying to add more content. Really, really liking some of the aspects of Google Plus, including the public hangouts and stuff like that. We're gonna do more stuff as soon as I get this capture card, which 
has been on back order from Amazon the last couple of weeks from Aver Media. I heard that Diamond put out a capture card, which I'm going to look into, but I really want to start doing some some commentary and getting some video stuff out there for you guys, even if it's not with me and my crazy mug in front of a camera. At least we, we want to get more stuff. So you can always check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash my take radio altogether TV. My take radio TV. We put all our episodes there and we put a bunch of other stuff there as well, including walkthroughs, reviews, hardware. I may start doing some smaller stuff. Make sure to hit that subscribe button there. Show your support in that regard. Last but not least, you can pick up the My Take Radio app. For your Android or iOS devices, of course, for Android, you can go to the Amazon Marketplace, and for iOS devices, you can get it on iTunes. It is $1.99. It's cheaper than a small cup of coffee at Starbucks. Last but not least, you can also always listen to MTR on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, TuneIn Radio, and of course, the FutureCast Media Network. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for your continued support. And this is the last MTR for the summer. I will see you guys after Labor Day. Peace. Taking us out this week, a song from a game that many of you loved from the PlayStation days. The artist is Artificial Fear. You can check him out. Facebook.com forward slash Artificial Fear Official. He also has a website, which is ArtificialFear.com. And I'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes for iTunes and also when we publish the episode on mytakeradio.com. See you guys later. Peace.